Welcome back to Don't Be Strangers, a series of wholesome conversations that focuses on fighting social isolation through stories of everyday people. I'm your host, Shinyi, and I typically meet my co-hosts for the very first time while recording. If this sounds fun to you, please consider applying to co-host a future episode. Or if you're into community building and making friends, we now have a Discord channel open to you. All of that information can be found on Instagram at Don't Be Strangers. Today, I'm speaking with a stranger, Aaron, who is currently in university studying all things filmmaking. I love that I've been able to, in a very small sample size of co-hosts I've had on this show, speak to strangers and friends as young as students to as old as breaching their 50s. I believe there's something to be learned from everyone, hence why I decided to start this podcast where I hoped, in contrast to other interview-style podcasts where the interviewees are typically famous or universally accepted quote-unquote successful public figures, I could share your story. So thank you, Erin, for offering your voice as we dive into how she got into acting and why she's trying to get back into it, children's cartoons that we watched growing up, what we're currently working on in terms of personal development, our struggles with depression, and how the pandemic has affected Erin. As a small warning, maybe three cuss words were dropped during the course of the conversation. This is just a little FYI for if you care, but if you don't, let's dive into it. Hi, my name is Erin Cristel Bernardo, and I'm a student filmmaker, producer, and writer. Um, I'm also a rusty actress, trying not to be rusty again. I'm also the entertainment producer currently for um, an org on my campus called TV. Um, so I'm in charge of making short films, comedy sketches, and film reviews. What year of school are you in? I'm a junior media production major, uh, minoring now in creative writing. So what is your career or how would you define for your job or passionately? I, I define myself as a creative chimera and that has nothing to do with my professional career. I'm a web developer by day, a full stack web developer and Actually, like I started coding casually. I don't even know if this predates you. Do you know what Neopets is? Yes, I know what Neopets is. I used to play. Yeah, so I used to code for um, the guilds. So there were like like basically club pages on this. Um, for listeners that don't know what Neopets is, think massively online video gaming, except like with cute pets and not in real time. And then a bunch of like arcade games where you could earn money to then customize your pet. Then there were these club groups and you could um, create clubs and find like online internet friends. And I started coding because I wanted to make pretty pages. And so I self-taught myself like CSS and HTML of like the front end code stuff based off of like studying other people's codes basically. And then I have like a long story for this, but I won't bore you with the details. Um, but I ended up in this career after like a boot camp because I studied something unrelated, a molecular biology, and then got into, got into this career path. And I never introduced myself as a web developer because I don't really relate. I, this Beyond the fact that as an engineer, we uh, resolve problems, but I feel like even in the creative industry or like non-math and science fields, you are, you are solving problems. It's just like a different uh, way to solve problems or you're also looking at different problems. Yeah, I think that's it, right? Because I... I would argue that being human means that you are drawn to finding resolutions, I think. Yeah, I would say that I am an artist, first and foremost, and I've decided not to pursue the creative industry because my identity is like too tied to it. So really kudos to everyone 
who pursues the creative realm for living because <laughs> I don't I don't feel like I have the ability to detach like feedback from uh, from my work. Yeah. Interesting. I think um, the identifier as well for creative chimera is an interesting term as well because with me I'm interested in a lot of different art forms. Um, so I always kind of say, oh, I'm a multimedia artist, uh, but it feels like so vague because people are like, well, what do you like do? Well, I'm interested in film. I, I used to like acting. Um, I like writing and like all these different things. That's an interesting term I had never heard before your podcast. Yeah, it's something that I dubbed because I felt so lost identifying myself. Because even if I introduced my, myself as an artist, like so you use the term multimedia uh, um like mix like multimedia mix art medium mm-hmm. art um and i totally could have used that but i just previously i would say like i'm an artist and then unfortunately i think the term artist itself is kind of associated to mastery over a certain skill set and i personally do not feel like i have mastery over really any of the skill sets that I indulge myself in just because I indulge myself in them out of curiosity and for like learning and play. And therefore it kind of follows along the line of jack of all trades, but master of none. But then at the same time, that term or that phrase also implies that like you're not good at anything, but like what if you're like good at some things, but just not like a master? You know, so I was just like struggling. So I was like, okay, if I said, oh, I'm an artist, just like what you experience, who will be like, oh, like, so what do you do? And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, like whatever interests me because they're just different forms of self-expression. So I took like a deep dive to try to find a term that I could use because another term that I was trying to play with and explore was renaissance artists because i think it captures the same idea that you dabble in a bunch of different things but unfortunately i feel like the term renaissance kind of implies like or it has a historical attachment to like white men <laughs> and i'm just like not relatable <laughs> so so yeah I, I really wanted to like find something different yeah. Well, I want to ask you, though, because you mentioned that you had experience acting. What was that like? Can you elaborate? Yeah. So it, it, for me, it's kind of like weird to think about now uh, because what I've been wanting to do has been slowly changing over time, especially like throughout college. I did acting from ages 10 through like 18, 19. And then after that, I kind of switched my focus to writing and also just figuring out film because I was an actor in the theater. And so film was something that was really new to me whenever I turned 18 and went to uh, college because I immediately chose my major as media production just because I felt like film was a really accessible medium. I mean, I love theater and I think there's so many interesting things that you can do with it, but because film, like anybody in the world can kind of watch whatever story you put it out, there was something about that that just really interested me. Storytelling as a whole, like I find super interesting. And I think there's so many different connections that you can make to things that are fictional, but are, are saying like really honest human things um, with whatever genre they're doing. So yeah, that's kind of my experience with acting. And then right now I'm slowly becoming more interested in acting again. Throughout college, I've always been like, okay, I'm definitely a writer and I want to try producing films and directing films. 
I've had the chance to do that uh, throughout this year. Like, I'm grateful, so grateful for that for those opportunities. But then I also found myself thinking, like, thing was so fun, <laughs> and so I want to get back into it again. I had like a small role in a short film recently that we produced uh, with our org. It kind of made me feel like, like when I was watching back the footage, I was like, man, like I'm not good anymore, and I used to be good because I used to work on it every single day. And so seeing myself on screen not be as good as I used to be kind of fuels me to want to prove myself wrong, if that makes sense. Wait, but how did you get into it? At the age of 10, was that just through your school or...? It was mostly through school. At least the high school was super like gung-ho about their theater department. Like they actually had somewhat of a budget, uh, which was kind of cool. I knew at the time that my older brother did theater and I was a very, very like shy, uh, small, like it just like I didn't, <laughs> I was such a socially anxious like little kid. Um, but I loved, I loved storytelling. Like me and my uh, little sibling, uh, whenever we were playing with like stuffed animals and things like that, like we never liked to play with stuffed animals that were already branded. So like a stuffed animal was like Mickey Mouse or Snoopy. We didn't want to do that because we wanted to make like original characters and original like backstories and storylines. All these little stuffed animals had like families and like they would like travel to the like the past and like you could see their ancestry and the, like their, the stories and like I don't know I was always just super into that kind of thing and I was super into drawing as a kid probably up until like 10th grade and so back then I used to make comics with my little siblings as well so I was, I was always super into writing and like that kind of thing and so when it, I got to fifth grade there was something in me that felt like I, I would be good at this even though like I was a super like shy kid at that point in my life I had never been on stage and like I kind of had trouble like talking to like my peers, especially because like 11 year olds and 12 year olds are like ruthless little human beings. So like middle school was such a weird time, but getting to do theater kind of opened me up more to like, like I can be a bit more extroverted and like talk in, in front of like other people and things like that. So it wasn't the main reason why I did it. It was mostly just because it seemed like fun and I thought I would be good at it. And then eventually I did become good at it, which was really cool. I love that, like, despite the fact that you were shy, you just went for it. And, like, you had that instinct that it was something that you wanted to do and that maybe it was something that you might be good at and you just, like, followed it. So that's really cool. <laughs> um, what sort of stories draw your attention the most? I think for me, I'm, I'm really open to a lot of genres, um, especially now that I've been open up to a lot of like different types of films or different artists just making different things. Um, I know in the past, I never really liked horror films. One, because they never really scared me or because I couldn't really connect to like the characters and things like that. So I realized that um, like throughout high school, especially when I was like super deep into theater and super deep into like playwriting and learning to direct and things like that, um, I just really loved um, the nuances and character relationships so I love um, stories that have really interesting character dynamics or like honest portrayals of like friendship and family and um, or even people just that don't like each other. And I also found that I really like when a story can capture a good sense of contrast between different things, if that makes sense. So like I really like bittersweetness, even in endings. I, I found myself being more attracted to endings of stories that aren't 
perfect because it felt more honest. Things have been lost but won as well. I guess that's my answer for that. Sorry if that's kind of like very vague. <laughs> no, that's perfect. What are some of your favorite examples of good storytelling with that contrast, that bittersweetness, or just like interesting relationship dynamics? When it comes to writing, especially with me and my older brother, because we're both like into film and writing and things like that, um, I always find myself being very inspired by kind of like the anime and the manga that I grew up on. I don't have like a specific example in my head, but there's this thing that they do in anime. They just do very poetic, like cutaways to things to like display like that character's emotion or like like how they feel in that moment without saying it. Um, I really like that kind of subtle writing. It happens a lot in like slice of life or like drama pieces. But I wanted to ask you as well. I know from what I saw that you were into like film or writing or anything like that. But when it comes to stories or like visual mediums as well, what are you drawn to? I would say that I am immediately drawn to like you complexity of characters. Um, the more thought out the the characters or the world are, the more I am attracted to a story, because I can feel the sincerity and the effort the creators put into building out the world, and I think it's their passion that draws me. Honestly speaking, if I had to give like a quick, fast response, it would just be like anything targeted at children. And animated because I am a visual artist, and so every time I watch like a new animation movie, I'm just like, wow, technology has like allowed a, has advanced to a point that allows us to animate like water to this level to this detail, which is like such a nerdy thing to notice. But I remember I was watching this movie once years ago where they just had like scenes like close up of like water waves in the ocean, and I like teared up because I was like, it's so. Beautiful, and I get moved like this. But I like a good children's, like Pixar, Disney, um, move or like Marvel, like action. Well, I, I guess like depending, but a good children's story because I typically when I consume entertainment, I want to feel good at the end. So the reason why I don't like horror is because they always have very unsettling endings, and like unsettling in that. Of the few horror films I've ever watched, it's always like, oh, the main character is probably about to die or is going to die soon, or like they're going to continue suffering, and I just don't want to like waste two hours of my life like stressed in in this like suspenseful state, only to like leave the movie feeling uneasy for like the next couple of hours. Not necessarily because I'm gonna have nightmares of like people trying to like kill me, but it's just like yeah, it's just. Not a good feeling, and I'm like, I, I don't want to like put time or money into, yeah, not having not good feelings. I already suffer through enough uneasiness in my day to day. I don't need entertainment to like also extend that experience. So I typically want something feel good. But then I think something else that's very interesting about children's storytelling, especially if they're targeted at the whole family, is the layers of entertainment that the writing needs to consider because it, it must it must be targeted for both children and the parents. Like you don't want to bore the parents who are also like watching it with their kids. So I think that's really interesting. For the longest time, my all-time favorite movie was Big Hero 6. Have you seen oh, I it? Love, that is such an underrated uh, animated film. I feel like no one talks about it anymore, even though at the time everybody was like raving about Baymax. 
when it first yeah came out. I was in junior high at the time and me and my friends were like we were we love that movie so much I think that was the only movie I've like repeatedly gone to the theaters to like rewatch with like different friends because I just wanted to like put money into this movie, um, which is very unlike me. But I was just like, I support this so much. I'm going to go to the movie theaters multiple times. The the complexity of like the relationships that they talk about with the two brothers, like the, yeah. the, the fact that they like touch on the topic of death, the group of friends and then. I, I also just love a good action because I just love watching people overcoming you know, challenges and like fighting, training, montages, all of that stuff. It encompassed all of that as well. So I was just like, it's like the best of all worlds that I could potentially ask for in a film. Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that film. I think it's really interesting uh, too, because like for me, sometimes it's very hard to define what exactly it is that I like because I like so many things. Just as many things as I like, there's things that I really don't like. Because I don't like to kind of limit myself to just like one thing. And I'm sure you don't either. Because um, I love um, like animated films um, or just anime TV shows, anime in general. Um, and I also really like, like what you're saying with endings that are like suspenseful and leave you feeling uneasy. Like I love that. There's something so satisfying about suspense. Um, I love psychological thriller. I love stories like like Death Note, where there's just a lot of like, oh, how is this person going to react to this person next? Um, mm -hmm. I love like a lot of different tactic changes in stories and like what characters decide to do. So I think it's interesting because like some of my favorite film endings. I don't know. Have you ever seen Drive with Ryan Gosling? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I guess I don't want to spoil the ending, but the way it ends, it's like you just you just feel really bad for the main character, and you just wish that he could have had like the life that he was you want you thought he should have had. Something so nice about an ending that is kind of like either a calm before a storm, or mm -hmm. is just like what the fuck just happened. I think children's storytelling is very like overlooked by a lot of people into film if they don't already make. You know, children's stories, people kind of dismiss it because they're like, oh, I want to make high art. Well, you can make high art that's also targeted towards children or like young adults. And I don't know. I just don't think younger people are necessarily like dumber audiences or like anything like that. I know me as a kid, like I thought it was some sort of like intellectual when it came to like watching films and things like that. Um, and so, I, I mean, I really loved stuff that wasn't meant for me as a kid. Like, I remember in third grade, I was really into, like, crime dramas and things like that. Or just, like, the ID channel in general that I should not have been watching with my mom. But I really liked stories like Bones or, like, uh, White Collar, which are very different. But they're clearly, like, more adult, like, crime stories that um, I shouldn't have been watching. But at the same time, I loved, like, feel-good, like, cute little rom-coms. I don't know, what are some, like, children cartoons that you watched growing up? Because I watched a bunch. Children cartoons, since it's been quite a long time, I'm going to have to, like, rake my memory a little bit. I... But, like, how young are we talking about? Because I remember watching Sailor Moon, for example. Like, but I was growing... At that point in my life, um, it was accessible and it was on TV because I was living in, in Malaysia. But that was, like, when I was, like, what, five years old or something? And I don't remember anything really of it, but other than, like, it was what was playing on TV. But I think later, after immigrating to America, Saturday cartoon shows, I remember one of them that I actually really enjoyed as like, I don't know, a seven or eight year old kid was Yu-Gi-Oh! Again, it was just like, I think the most interesting 
plot for the cartoons that were being played. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I can't remember any of the other cartoons I consumed, but it was just that, like, the plot in Yu-Gi-Oh!, which, as I understand now, because I don't really follow, um, there's, like, a lot of other series that came after, the, <laughs> but it was just, like, interesting, complex drama. How about you? I, I do remember watching Yu-Gi-Oh! growing up. I don't remember all the, like, plot points. I just remember it was very dramatic and very, like, this is so over the top. Um, yeah. I loved it. Anything that would play on four kids or like Cartoon Network, I definitely was like eating up. When I got slightly older, so like middle school-ish, I was definitely into shows like Adventure Time or Regular Show. But before that, like I loved Teen Titans. Um, I liked Ben 10. And of course I watched like all of like The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy and like all those shows. And I'm sure there were like Disney cartoons as well that I can't recall off the top of my head because it's been... It's always been a, been a really long time since I watched just a normal cartoon. So I have no clue what's happening in the cartoon industry right now. But I just know that I loved it growing up. I had always wanted to make like an animated series of some sort. I'm not at the point where I can do that to the quality of which I want to make that. But hopefully in like 20 years or something, I get to make at least one like small thing. That'd be so cool to write for. You would imagine that your role in, the, in an animated project would be writing, like the writing aspect? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if I would want to direct um, for an animated show, but maybe that's just I don't know enough about it just yet. Um, but I'd love to write for it. I would also be interested in learning voice acting just because I had done acting in the past and I'd never done actual voice acting before. I had done like a radio play before, but other than that, I had never delved into that. So. I think it'd be cool. That would be so cool. I, as you were naming off all of those kids shows, I wonder if the reason why I didn't really, because I had a friend, um, like a best friend growing up, who did consume like all of those shows. And I I would now wonder if it was because I had no like access to those like cartoons, as in like maybe my family didn't have like the, like we didn't have cable or anything. So like we didn't have any of those like channels. Um, but another one that came to mind, but I only watched this like, I think after college was Avatar, The Last Airbender. The world is like just so incredible. The characters are so incredibly complex for being kids. I'm really glad I watched it as an adult, actually, because I don't know if like as a child, I would have appreciated all the subtlety of the storytelling. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I completely forgot to name that one, because that was the one that I was in love with throughout like my entire like Every time it would uh, re rerun on Nickelodeon, I would watch it no matter what. I know there were some points where they would release episodes with fun facts that would appear at the bottom about like voice acting or the animators studying martial arts so they could better animate those sequences. Um, I ended up like it was <laughs> it was so good. And you're right. Like I think at the time I thought Avatar had like the perfect ending because like the build up was just so good and like I love the characters and the character relationships. And, like, it was a very, like, nuanced television show for kids to watch. It explores genocide, xenophobia. It's, it's kind of wild to think about because people would think it's just a cute cartoon about a kid who has some, you know, some air powers. And there are cute animals that are, like, hybrids, like, real animals. The characters are really deep in that show. Like, the arcs for the characters, like Zuko, for example, like, a lot of people have Zuko as, like, their favorite, like, redemption arc character. Speaking of Avatar, I was thinking like throughout like this conversation because we were touching like Big Hero 6 and like animated films and then Avatar. Um, 
I, th- I think it's really interesting thinking about, I guess, the optics of like Asian representation in Western animated and in non-animated films and like media. Because um, when you think about it, like Avatar Last Airbender, like I love Avatar Last Airbender and I will rewatch it anytime. And I'm trying to get my boyfriend to watch it with me. <laughs> it's really interesting that like, I mean, Avatar would not be the same without like Asian aesthetics and without Asian like inspiration, Asian martial arts and like religion and like literally just um, a, mi- a mix and match of like a lot of Asian cultures. But it's created by like two white men. It's a really good story and I love it. But also, it, it kind of makes me wonder why, like, why did they do that? You know what I mean? I can't remember off the top of my head because I actually have the art book and they do go really in depth into like the origin of the story. And I can't recall right now because I read this book years ago. I think along that this like line of thought, I think it's very interesting to see the, the surge of Asian representation in Western media nowadays. Wait, can I ask? Because I, I can't tell. Uh, <laughs> one Asian to another Asian. Um, what is like your ethnical background? Um, I'm Filipino. So okay. my, my family, um, they're from Kalapan and from Oriental Mindoro. And just to be clear with you, what is your ethnic background as well? Yeah, I'm um, South Chinese, but I was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. But ethnically, like all of my ancestors are Chinese and from the southern part of China. We immigrated into Malaysia and then my immediate family immigrated to America. Um, were you born in America or were you born in the Philippines? Yeah, I was born in America. Um, I lived in Texas my whole life, and I've lived in the same town for like 95% of it. So the only person in my family out of my siblings that wasn't born in the U.S. was my older brother who was born in the Philippines and came to here. You're based out of Houston, I believe? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm Dallas, actually, so we're sort of neighbors. I didn't know you were from Texas for some reason, because I remember in, like, one of the previous episodes, you said you were in Mexico, and I was like, where is she from, though? Like, Yeah, yeah, I've been in Mexico for, like, almost six months, um, up until about, I guess, three weeks ago when I returned home to Dallas. Like, so I home base out of Dallas because my immediate family lives here, but I have, within, like, the last year, really taken advantage of the ability to work remotely so just trying to travel as much as i can while still maintaining similar time zones with my workplace so that yeah because i am definitely more of a morning person than a night owl so even though i would love to work remotely out of like asia for example i don't know if like i could you know well of course like i can like and it would be worth it but my natural tendency is to like wake up early and go to bed early versus like the other way around, which uh, is completely opposite of like how I was in school because I was like completely a night owl. So I don't know, adulting changed me. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Um, I think I'm definitely not a morning person, which is so weird because like, especially after the pandemic hit, my sleep schedule kind of just went to shit. <laughs> um, it's gotten a little bit better here and there. Um, but because I have like so much on my mind and there's so many things I'm trying to like unlearn, like, you know, kill bad habits and things like that. Um, but recently I've been sleeping at like 2 a.m. at the latest and I'm trying to make that earlier and earlier because um, I used to have a much better sleep schedule before the pandemic hit. For some reason, I've always naturally been someone who likes to stay up and just like think or do things. Um, 
even though when I wake up in the morning, when I wake up at 8 a.m. and I have like a normal productive day, I, I just feel it feels so good. And I don't know why I don't do that more often because I feel like I get so much done in that in those four hours between 8 to 12. Because some, some days I'll wake up at like noon. It feels like a normal, like slow day. But whenever I wake up at 8 a.m., I just get so much done. I understand what all the more productive well, I know wake up much earlier than I do. <laughs> um, but I also wonder if like why it feels so good is because it's rare. Because I wonder if you would still feel that way if you naturally always wake up at eight. Feel free to not answer if you're not comfortable. But you mentioned something about um, unlearning and like habits and stuff. Do you mind elaborating on like things that you're trying to unlearn or like habits that you're trying to adopt? I think this kind of ties into a question you had asked me uh, before. Uh, recording was what I'm currently working on in terms of like my health, mental and physical, um, my passion, my social life. And those are all things coincidentally that I've been thinking about more in depth so than I already naturally tend to do. I'm, I'm naturally a very like reflective person. So often like I'll find myself like zoning out, just thinking about like my life and like mistakes and like how I'm trying to move forward and things like that. But when it comes to what I'm working on mentally, I'm just trying to be better for myself. Um, Cause I think I fall into a lot of bad habits, especially during the first part of quarantine. A lot of my insecurities got very like exacerbated. It's just, it's like um, a mix of a lot of different things, like a lot of different factors. When the pandemic hit, I fell into like my depression kind of like slowly came back. I had struggled with depression starting at age like 14 and then throughout the rest of high school. And then when I started college, things were kind of feeling better. Um, Cause I was just like, just very open to what was to come. And I was just very ambitious and working on different things. In the course of the pandemic of just being isolated, you just start to overthink and just nitpick at a lot of different things like about yourself. And so I, I know like, this is super weird because I don't really talk about it with a lot of people just because it doesn't, I can't just like randomly say it, you know? Right, um, right. Yeah, of course. When it comes to like my insecurities, it was a lot of physical insecurity, but also a lot of like mental things because I wasn't feeling like fulfilled at the time because I wasn't able to do everything that I wanted to do. Like there were plays that I was in uh, that got canceled. I was still writing, which was really cool that I had like friends I got to write with. And honestly, I don't even know how to explain like everything that kind of happened, but I started like falling into bad habits of staying up super, super late, um, not eating enough and then not eating enough because like of like weird like mental things I was thinking that didn't make any sense, like weren't rational. It's weird because things have gotten better and not at the same time because now that we're like back into going to school in person and working in person and things like that. There are some things that like naturally like being around other people like helps you build up like your confidence or like it's just good for you to be social. Okay, so I'm gonna interrupt here to say that if you found any of these topics interesting or relatable, please hit pause right now to give this show a follow and a rating. Or if you know of a friend who needs to hear what's being shared here, take two seconds to message on this episode. It'd mean the world to me to be able to expand the reach of who this podcast could potentially help. I'm just trying to work on being more open because I found myself like throughout this whole year or the school year, um, slowly becoming more and more distant from people that I really like to be around or from from myself in a way. I have a bad habit of comparing myself to my old self when that doesn't make any sense because like I'm turning 21, like I should not be comparing myself to my 18 year old self because um, I had less responsibilities when I was 18. 
I had a very different lifestyle when I was 18 or just like different things to deal with, different friends, different boyfriend, like all kinds of things that I shouldn't be like so stuck on. And I find myself before I was able to open up about it again, just falling into bad habits I used to have when I was depressed in like 15. I'm just trying to unlearn like all these things that I don't think I've ever been straight up bullied by someone, but I think the way someone who was bullied does. And I think it's maybe just me, maybe just me being like mean to myself. And so like, I've been trying to unlearn very bad habits and just thinking very lowly of myself, which is very weird because I'd always viewed myself as a very confident person in some ways, especially throughout high school when it came to what I was doing, the art that I was working on and how, um, how much of a hard worker I was when it came to that. Throughout this year, I kind of found myself kind of feeling stagnant with what I was doing because I was still doing a lot of different projects, but it felt like I could have been doing more. I guess I'm trying to get myself back into the track of like finding a healthy balance of doing work that actually like helps me like get to my goals. Also trying not to feel guilty for relaxing as someone who feels like I have a lot of things I want to do. And sometimes I feel held back by myself, fears or insecurities. Like when it comes to mental health, I just feel like that's kind of my main um, thing that's holding me back. I mean, of course, besides the fact that like I don't have a lot of money, like there's student debt to think about. I don't want to think about it, but I have to at some point. But in terms of getting to where I want to be and what I can do at the moment, I feel I can take better ownership. Like I have control over what I can do today and tomorrow. And I need to stop thinking about past mistakes that I made or like I need to do a better job of accepting things and just moving forward. Something that was pointed out to me in recent weeks, I think like a couple weeks ago, a lot of the stories that I write, the characters are learning the same lesson in different ways. I didn't really think about it before because I thought I was just kind of drawn to those kind of stories, but I find myself relearning those lessons that the characters are learning over and over again letting go of things that no longer serve you. So that's kind of the main thing I'm trying to work on so that I can focus on the things that are serving me. But I kind of want to hear your thoughts on like what you are working on as well in terms of mentally or like physically um, and how that ties into your life. First off, thank you so much for sharing that. I think there needs to be more discussion about well, like these sort of topics, right? About like depression and stuff, because I think the most dangerous aspect of depression is the isolation where you start to convince yourself that you are so alone that like no one can relate to you and then the negative spiral that like follows right and mm -hmm. i can like i'm starting to tear up because i understand like perfectly well since it's something that i have also struggled with for a very long time and i think it started around like middle school uh, like maybe 11 or 12 years old it's really interesting that you say that your stories have this like repeating motif because I've heard of this one phrase. I don't remember where I found it from. It was on Instagram, but it was this post that said like, life is just a series of forgetting and remembering. And I'm just like, oh, isn't that just so true? <laughs> like sometimes I hate that it's true because I want progress to be linear. I don't yeah. want to forget things like that's not progress. <laughs> like if you've learned it, you should be able to integrate it and then like move forward. But reality doesn't work like that. And so being able to be reminded that cycles in life is normal so you'll make progress and then you'll lose your progress and then you'll like remake that progress um is okay everything that you say resonates with me so deeply because well are you familiar with the anagram slash like 
since you're into personal development, I feel like you would be interested in like personality yeah. tests and stuff. Um, what, what do you identify as? I'm just like curious about that because I remember the first time because I'm I'm super into using personality tests as tools for personal development because they they give you insight into your own own personality from like an outsider's perspective. And I'm also on the train of like take everything with a grain of salt because like these people don't know you. <laughs> like you know these are like generalized and like groups and like archetypes types and stuff and like not everything that they say could like apply to you but the the reason why the Enneagram really resonated with me is because like when I first learned about it I was told that you don't you're not technically like the hardcore true believers in this say that you don't take a personality test you actually self-identify by reading all the descriptions and saying like this one is me and and the most powerful and potent way to self-identify is you read all the basic fears in, in each category and see which one hurts the most. Um, and, <laughs> and like that is your type. And then once, uh, once I found my type and I read through all the descriptions of it, uh, I found that they were accurate, not because like- uh, Confirmation bias? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, like not because of confirmation bias, but because like everything that they were listing were things I had already realized about myself, but like being retold by someone who didn't know me at all. And so I think that was why it left such a powerful impression on me. And then the other thing that I find really interesting about Enneagram versus other personality frameworks is that they give you specific tools on how to improve yourself so that you go towards like a growth phase versus a regressive phase. Well, I identify as a type five and their basic fear is incompetence. And part of like how their incompetence manifests is that like they don't believe that they can do things in reality. So they retreat into their mind and they kind of like overthink. Overthinking is like part of this personality trait. Um, they kind of like go into their mind and they want to study. They want to study everything um, so that in hopes that like one day they will become competent enough to like rejoin the world. Um, so this is like the high level description. And I was just rereading this last night because I'm getting back into the Enneagram after like a year or two's break of this. And so that kind of gives you context into like my, my personality in that one, I highly identify myself as a student of life. And that's why my artistic pursuits are also like creative chimera. Cause it's like a lot of my creative outlets are for me to learn new mediums because I find learning so engaging. Also, I think the what I struggle with horribly is like obsession with thinking. And I identify myself so strongly with my thought. And I never thought that this was strange until like, like you read a description that's like this character type or whatever, like just lives in their brain. Having that like described to me that like, I'm obsessed with thinking, this is true. If I were to receive brain damage of any sort, you can consider your sister dead. Like, because she is no longer me, why? Because I associate myself to my thoughts. If my thoughts change, is like the way that I'm logically like piecing things together, then the person that comes out of like this alteration is not me, you know, it's like someone else. And you can just consider that you have lost me, which is so dramatic, but it makes sense when, you, when given that context, right? Like if I, I pride myself in my thoughts, so much so yes i overthink to one of like the the growth advices for this type is like silence and it's really funny because like for the past i don't know how many years one of my goals is to be able to meditate consistently and like by meditation because there's like a, lots of different forms of meditation i just want to be able to like 
breathe and like enjoy the presence um, and not always live in the future because I'm very future like future forward I'm always planning like I always have like plan a b c all the way to like z uh or z <laughs> like I have backup plans for my backup plans yeah so I think like one of my main focus right now is really trying to find a silence so that I can like quiet my thoughts so that I can like participate in the world as well because everything that you were um reflecting with me about being held back by yourself I think I do that to myself quite quite often too which is another reason why I was like kind of curious about your your type because I'm like oh there is there like any overlap but it's something that you can consider looking into using my pro tip to like self-identify with the, <laughs> the what fears are you the most um you've mentioned something else else about feeling guilty for relaxing and that also is something that I've struggled with horribly to the point where like even if I consciously understand that to do things that you enjoy or to rest is in itself utility, like useful and productive because by resting, you prepare yourself to be more creative, to be more alert, to be able to, you know, produce better when you are like on set or like, you know, at work. And yet I can't and I can't because like, for example, I too also had a phase where I used to like illustrate a lot. And like nowadays I associate like illustration to childhood because that's what I did as like my fun thing as a child. And every time I want to like pause to like draw, I'm like, but this isn't productive. Consciously, I know it is productive. I understand why rest is productive, but subconsciously I can't let myself do it. And then I spend a lot of time like going back and forth and battling myself about whether I should draw or not draw or like if there's something better that I should be doing with this like free time. And then I get like so exhausted and at the end of the day, I don't typically don't end up illustrating. I go to do something else productive, but this just leads to me always feeling exhausted, always wired because I just can't, I just can't breathe, which is horrible, but I'm conscious of it and I'm actively working on it. And I, I see progress, um, which I think is like the part that is really hopeful. Common question I get on this podcast is how do you define failure? And I typically define failure as like the moment you give up. So I haven't failed on this yet because like I refuse to give up. Like I'm not going to give up on like trying to achieve a life that has greater ease. It's worth the battle because I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to like battle and experience this until until the end of my life so like i would rather try to like obtain a state where i can enjoy life than to like completely give up and just like live with like stress all the time you know um no i think that all like really resonates with me too because like i feel like i'm weird to say we're like i definitely am always doing something usually for work because recently we got to do this film challenge that me and uh, my team, we set up a prompt. Uh, we had like a line bank, a lot of like guidelines for like what kind of film you can make. And we had like 50 people sign up and we split them into groups and gave everybody a crew position. Like you are the screenwriter, you are the director, you're the editor, the, this, this, and that. And basically me and my team got to act as producers and mentors for these short films. When we shot all four short films, we shot them back to back. And so I was there at every single shoot 
So, and each shoot was like a two-day shoot. It was all in a span of two weeks. And then post-production had to happen quickly because we also did a film festival on Monday night, which was something that I came up with back in the summer when I first got the job. And I was like, hey, I'm really interested in doing a film festival. And I created like the guidelines for the film fest and like made like a very pretty, like aesthetically pleasing document that's very easy to read and has like all like rules and all like everything. And we finally got to do it, which felt like so like relieving for one thing because I was really stressing about it that day but it was so rewarding too because we got to see all the four films that we made together on the big screen in a theater along with like my first film and like my friend's first film and just seeing a lot of like student film to come together in one room uh, was just like really cool a really great experience and a lot of people were like I want to do this again and that made me feel good because I was like okay I was like I did something right which feels good after like dwelling on all of your mistakes from like weeks ago. There are definitely times where uh, I felt like I should have been doing more, especially now where I'm in a better mental space than it was like four weeks ago. You're talking about like you wanting to draw and like feeling like guilty for wanting to draw, even though like that's fun, that's relaxing for you and like you're good at it. I saw your drawings are really good. So I'm in this, I'm in this class uh, called Short Film Practicum. Basically the whole class is just for the entire semester, we're making one big short film, uh, which is like a 20 minute thing. And then uh, spring break from Monday through Friday was shooting. And um, when we were riding to location, I was with my professor with like all the equipment in the back of a van. And he was just like trying to make conversation with me because I'm a very naturally quiet person, especially like around my class because I'm not really like good friends with anyone in my class. The whole thing with isolation is very much something I haven't been experienced since like last semester especially even with people that are like close friends to me which is like it's been really weird for me and very little on and off of like okay maybe i should try to hang out with them now <laughs> um now that i'm like getting into a better like mindset at least but we were in the car and he was asking so like what do you like to do outside of producing and like writing and things like that and i was and like i could just hear like the you know the phone dial-up sound because <laughs> 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 i have no clue anymore because like Back then, I was like, uh, I would have easily said, oh, like, I really like to read manga, or like, I really like to, I don't know, like, I had hobbies for sure. And, <laughs> and like, I feel like outside of making content with, like, my team at, at work, because, like, I'm constantly thinking about that stuff, because I, like, I enjoy it, I'm passionate about it. I find myself so guilty sometimes for wanting to do things that are just for me, even if it's, like, going to sleep. I think that's sometimes why I, I stay up so late. Because um, I want to write, because I'm like, if I don't write, I will not be a writer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, I don't know. It's just like, damn, like, I need a, I need hobbies again. Like, this is not, that can't be healthy to just, like, do things. I've always been a very career-focused person in the sense that I knew exactly what kind of thing I wanted to do. Do I don't know exactly, like, what is the main thing I want to do, if that makes sense, or, like, how exactly to get there. I just know that I want to keep doing it. If I'm not doing something for it, I feel like I'm not going to get there. And so like throughout high school, I always felt like I was one of like the, the hardest workers in terms of the actors or crew members and like the, the shows that we did. I still feel like a hard worker now, but I find myself thinking like, oh, my younger self was so much more driven than I feel right now. And I think it's really just like an effect of like the mental health issues. Because you were saying before that like isolation is probably one of the like, biggest detriments of like depression and I completely agree because like that same week that we were shooting for that film for my class that was probably one of the worst weeks mentally for me even though I really enjoyed the role I was doing like I did some behind the scenes photography and I did set painting for that film 
And so for that week, it was mostly just like behind the scenes stuff and like learning to use this camera that they let me borrow to, to take photos and things like that. So even though I really enjoyed that, and honestly, like I've always loved like doing behind the scenes stuff because I wouldn't consider myself a photographer a, or a photographer, but there's something so fun about like capturing like certain moments and making sure it's like aesthetically pleasing and like just using your knowledge to make like a nice photo. <laughs> but even though I enjoyed that, I didn't feel present 50% of the time that I was there. I didn't know how to explain it until the end of the week because I thought it was just like, oh, this is just kind of, I'm just in a bad mood or something, but it like persisted the weeks going on. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to rethink some things because I'm isolating some, myself so much and I'm not being open about how I feel. And like, I realized I made mistakes on set that uh, I didn't even know I made because I was on autopilot. It's definitely hard thinking about like things that you think you would never have done four years ago. Cause like when I was in high school, I was the kind of person that was like, if you were like messing around like in the wings instead of like doing your work, I didn't respect you as much as someone who was. And not to say that I wasn't friends with everyone cause I was pretty chill. Um, I was still that quiet kid, you know? Sometimes I get caught up in the fact that like, oh damn, like 17 year old me would have not liked me. Cause I, I seem lazy at like certain points, but I'm not. Like, I don't view myself as a lazy person, so it's hard balancing out, like, is this me or is this just the effect of my depression or is... I don't know if you know what I'm, <laughs> like, trying to say, but it's just, it's so weird just analyzing all these things where it's like, okay, I wasn't performing that well here because I was thinking about this instead of, like, thinking about that. Especially thinking about trying to explain it to someone who doesn't have to go through something like this. And I'm just like, I'm not sure if this person's going to understand me. And I think you mentioned that earlier, too. It's like you kind of convince yourself that no one is going to be able to relate to you. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like why I'm so passionate about this podcast, because I feel like a lot of misunderstanding that happens between people and like within people themselves is because like there's no communication happening or like miscommunication happening. I completely understand what you mean in the self-comparison with your younger self and thinking, oh, like she is more ambitious, blah, 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 like can get a lot more stuff done. And now I have maybe like settled down in comparison um, and I'm less ambitious or um, am not able to produce at the same level. But at the same time, what you were telling me about 17-year-old you would have would perceive you today as someone who's lazy based on of what you understand of her like line of thought back then. Um, I would like to challenge you with like a counter-argument is that like maybe if she if she would have perceived you today as like lazy. Could it also just be possible that like she just didn't have a lot of perspective because younger me, I was super academically driven um, in high school to the point that where I valued people based on their academic standing. So that meant like if you weren't in like the top 10 or whatever, like academic ranking, then I didn't really value you as like a person because I saw your ability to perform academically as like your ability to human which is so extreme but like 
at the same time, I was also participating on like online art communities and I had a lot of like online art friends. And I thank goodness because I think they saved me from being like this pompous, like, whatever, you know, no perspective, bitchy girl, basically. But like these like online art friends, like they weren't very like academically serious like they they were just I maybe didn't come to them naturally if they were someone in my high school I would have never like gotten their perspective on anything but because I met them through like a different venue in a different context so I'm really grateful that I had them to be able to get like more perspective on the world and then since then I think that I just have like so much more perspective now the reason why like she was able to get so many things done was because her goals were very, very clear. And they were all like academically driven. And now my goals are less clear because I have to like essentially carve my own path. Society says that you need to get into like a career and then like excel in this career. That's not necessarily what you need to do. You get to decide if you want to pursue multiple careers at the same time. And like, you don't need to be excellent in all of them. What if some of your side careers are just for you to play, that you're allowed to do that and you can switch careers as many times as you want in the future. So I don't think it's a fair comparison at all. And I think you mentioned to me that like you already acknowledged this, but it's just really hard to like convince yourself too, like because there's like the conscious level and there's a subconscious level, right? Like consciously I'm like, it's not lazy to want to draw. <laughs> like I know it's not, but then subconsciously I'm like, okay, but you really could be doing something more productive. And it's like, I just really want to draw, right? So I think it's that like, same argument where you're like, consciously, you know that it's not productive to compare yourself to someone completely di different, but then subconsciously, it's, it's like a different battle, right? So I think everything that you're saying is valid. And thank you for sharing all of that. And um, I hope that you make some breakthrough. I think sometimes too, breakthroughs come in really ex unexpected ways as well like maybe just meeting the right friend or like just working on the right project while reading the correct book and then like you mentally make some weird connection you know like yeah you just never know i want to ask you the question i ask everyone how do you define a stranger and at what point do they transition from being one to not being one for me a stranger is just someone that you don't know even if you've seen them before or you see them on television or you watch like their interviews because they're a celebrity and they're like an actor or a singer or whatever. You haven't made a personal connection with them yet. Like you have not met them. And for them to transition, transition into someone who is a friend, I think that involves trust and mutual connection. Like y'all click, y'all get along. And I'm, I'm not sure how much further I can, I can go with that because I think it's different for different people that you meet. Some people just automatically become your friend. Some people you become acquainted with and then you don't really become their friend until like two years later. A stranger is just a person you haven't gotten to know yet. And it's your choice whether or not you get to know people or you let people get to know you. I love that little um, added note at the end that you have, you have the choice um, too because I feel like a lot of time we don't, we don't realize this, that we have the agency to create like relationships as much as we have the agency even if it might be kind of rude like you know i'm sure like it occurs to more people to ghost <laughs> to ghost people than than to, like maybe that they have like the agency to intentionally create the effort time and like space for friendship to like develop or deepen as well 
So yeah, I love that. I think I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to speak on this podcast. Um, I think what the podcast is trying to do is really interesting. And I think it's been successful so far in like deepening connections with people who are strangers who hopefully ended up not being strangers by the end of the episode. It's really important to try to stay connected with people and not isolate yourself. And I think that's part of like one of the reasons why this podcast has been helpful to people that know about it and have been like, uh, engaging with it. I know I've been listening to it every now and then. Every, every time a new episode comes out, I'm, I play it while I do laundry or like whatever. And I really enjoy um, hearing different people's like, perspectives on the, uh, things. And I think what we talked about today has been beneficial to me as well because I get to think about all these things that I've just been having in my head, you know what I mean? Yeah, no problem. I'm really glad and also that like really warms my heart to know that people are actively listening to it <laughs> or just to get that direct feedback just because, you know, I just put things out into the void and hope people respond to it. Um, but like when you don't get that sort the sort of like direct feedback is just like, well, I'm still making this, but <laughs> I don't know if anyone's like listening. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. And thank you so much for your time too. And also for your courage to like talk about the depression part. I believe this is my second episode I've ever recorded where we've touched on the topic of depression. The first time this was brought up explicitly was in episode 7 where Winnie, my co-host, shared her story of how a Hong Kong immigrant in California found empowerment in the face of genetically inherited depression. If you'd like to potentially not be strangers with Erin, you can reach out to her on Instagram at the Red Paladin, where you can be linked to all her works. Or if you want to chat with me, of course, you can reach me at Don't Be Strangers. The Instagram page will also have links to her Discord and the application to co-host if either of these things interest you. Speaking of Discord, you can connect with both Erin and me via Discord as well. Love letter number 10. Today is Saturday, June 4th, 2022 and I am currently based out of Cusco, Peru. I mentioned in episode 21 slash voice vlog number 7 that I had my hypnotherapy slash RTT session at the beginning of April to target my issue with chronic stress. It was something that was subtly crippling my life by preventing me from ever truly relaxing as I constantly worried about whether I was being productive or not. Want to hear more about my journey to healing my chronic stress? I'm starting a bonus episode series called Love Letters, which is just a series of voice vlogs and digital diaries where I narrate my journal entries. Speaking of travel, something unrelated and kind of fun is that I've started reviewing spaces around the world via my Google Maps account. I'm a huge work from cafes type advocate and religiously use Google Maps to help me find said cafes. People are always telling me that I should consider starting my own travel blog where I can catalog the best remote office cafes around the world. but. That's a lot of work, so I decided to start dropping reviews on Google Maps. If you're ever in Mexico City or Cusco, Peru, I have a few reviews and counting. As always, please write to me at Don't Be Strangers on Instagram or ping me on Discord. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, don't be a stranger.